people's lives have been impacted is just um, fantastic. You guys are wondering what on earth is she doing? <laughs> it's okay, don't worry, so is she. No, um, it's okay, we put the coffee up there as well. Okay, I've got the sunnies. All right, put that over there, get it out of the way. Okay, I'll put those up there. Or hold, hold the hair back anyway. I need a haircut. You know how you go. It's the end of summer. Well, it is. I'm back at work, so it feels like it's the end of summer. Okay, awesome. Get my time right. We're with it. We're on a God hunt tonight. And actually, I, I did wonder whether I should have actually come in some trainers and in like a coach uniform after this morning, a pastor type talking about, you know, building up and be the strong and the inner man and, and get the spirit man going. And um, I had no idea that's what he was talking about. And I prepared a message. It's, it actually touches on what's called the spiritual disciplines. And these are, these are practices that have been developed over the centuries that have helped to bring transformation into the lives of followers of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and we're, I just want to plug into only just two of those disciplines tonight. And so it's, it's really like I'm bouncing off from what Pastor Tark said, and I'm coming in it and saying, okay, here's two practices that I actually engage in and have helped me to discern and discover and to sense the presence of God in a, in a more um, consistent manner and way and practice and to actually then when as I get to know how, how, who God is and how he's working, I can uh, join him in what he's doing. And it's, as we do that, as we learn to tune into the Holy Spirit and his voice and his way, then actually it makes our Christian life exciting. Uh, we get to, to go on I want to say God adventures. We go to go with God on hunts and to see his work and his his stuff. So I said to you, what sunglasses got to do it? I brought my binoculars in as well. I could actually focus on some of you there and go, oh, okay, oh, look at that. Um, but, uh, you know, when you go out spotting, I was out in Alaska um, last year, I had the incredible privilege, and I was actually given these um, binoculars because part of the, the magic of, of Alaska is you get to see some of the wildlife that we just see as documentaries. You know, like the bald eagle, and it's just like, I just saw masses of those birds, and it was just incredible to see them um, in the wild, doing what eagles do in the wild. Uh, we saw sea otters, I saw moose, you know, I saw a brown bear walking along the shore. It was, like, it was so cool to see those animals. And, and part of that was that I did actually need the binoculars to spot it. Anyway, I was in the, in the vehicle and a couple of locals were just talking and they said, and they were talking about somebody who had come to live in the state of Alaska. And they said, um, this person was really disappointed. And they were disappointed because they hadn't seen anything. No wildlife, no animals. And these locals are going, what the? They're blind or something. Like, it's, it's all the time. And I'm thinking, and I'm like, a little bit, I was, at that stage, I hadn't seen much myself. I'm going, yeah, well, they're hiding really well. And, um, but as I, as I stayed in, and as I learnt to um, observe and stop and to watch, I began to see, and I was on to an animal hunt myself. But this is the same thing that we can be on to a God hunt. And I wanted to share with you some of those things about how we can actually sharpen our ability to find God. Now, if you've ever done a Where's Wally, that's the first slide. So if we can have a Where's Wally up there. 
Have you ever done a Where's Wally um, puzzle and you go hunting around, you're trying to find Wally and you're like looking for him and in case you don't know, Wally is a weird looking character, sort of like slim sort of guy and he's got a funny hat on like a Santa hat and he's got a striped shirt on. If you can find Wally there, uh, you know, good, good on you. But you go hunting and because everything looks the same, okay, one or two people have spotted Wally, but anyway, there's Wally. And you think, what has that got to do? Well, when I was Googling for that picture, it came up with these hints, how to find a Where's Wally. I'm going, seriously, people write books about this thing. And, um, but you know what, if you don't train your eye to find Wally, it's actually quite hard. This is an easy one, by the way. This was listed as easy, okay. It was listed as easy, so I didn't give you one of the hard ones to find Where's Wally. Let's go, just go to the second slide there, and I, I, I just wanted to put the sunglasses up. Oh, summertime. <laughs> Don't you love the beach? Um, anyway, you know, in Auckland, as I said this morning, you can't work anywhere, and you, actually, even in winter, you, you're reaching for your sunnies, because there's a glare in Auckland that is just quite unique to Auckland. I have family that live in Brisbane, and you would think that Brisbane, that's sunshine, you know, the sunshine coast and everything, and they come over here and they go, oh, man. Where's my, I, I didn't bring my sunglasses, and then they punched mine. So, um, you know, it's like, why didn't you bring them? Because they say, I forgot what it's like in Auckland. So you, you guys know we live here, even on a grey day, there's times that you're reaching for your sunnies because there's a glare. And that glare's really fine. As soon as you put your sunnies on, it just changes everything, right? And you can see. You can see. I want to just tell you that every single one of us have a set of sunglasses, as it were, on. We have a world view that is on, and if you have been raised in New Zealand, you have been raised in a really secular education system. That secular education system says there is no God. They have trained us to think, they have trained us to be very materialistic, only what you can see, touch and feel, only what you can prove by science is actually real. Anything else is not real, it's superstitious, it's not anything. Those of you that have been trained in other education systems and you perhaps even come in from a different cultural worldview, you know very well that there's a spiritual realm. Those of us who are raised in New Zealand, we don't because we can't see it, we're blind. We're totally blind and we can't see, we can't see anything. And when we can't see and we come in and start to engage with Almighty God, there's one thing that begins to happen. When we first meet Jesus Christ, our eyes are open. Like, I don't know if you ever remember, I know when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, suddenly, and I can't describe it anyway, the grass was green, the sky was blue, my eyes were open. When I read the Bible, the Bible made sense to me. Suddenly something had changed, and the Bible tells us that a veil gets lifted off our eyes. So if you want to know God, if you're really desperate to find this God, because actually Every person in the whole world has a sense that there's more than what they've currently got. Every single one of us, the Bible tells us that God has put eternity into the heart of man. So every one of us are actually hunting down God. We don't even know it, but we're looking, but we don't know what we're looking for. But when we meet Jesus Christ, when we start to, to engage with this wonderful God-man called Jesus Christ, and we say, you know what, I want to follow this man. I want to follow him. 
I want to discover more. That's what the disciples did. When they started to follow Jesus, their eyes became open. Now, they saw things that that just was a total mystery to them. They saw amazing things. They saw miracles. They saw the blind see, and their eyes were open. And actually, I think their eyes were sticking out like stalks, to be perfectly honest. You know, ah, there's a wonderful hymn that says, I was blind, but now I see. So our eyes are open. So the very first thing, if you want to see and discern God, you have to pray that prayer. And I want to say to you, it's almost a daily prayer, God, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Because see, what we're doing is we're putting on God glasses now. When we pray, God, open my eyes. When we begin to frame the world that we live in, that this is God's world. Everything from the beginning to the end of this globe, this world is God's world. It's not anybody else's. He started it, and he will finish it when he's ready. This is God's world. That's a God frame. That's the tint through which you need to view your life. That's where you start. God is present and active and alive and well in this world, and he is the boss. He is the one that is in control, and that's where we start. That's where you start when you go on a God hunt. When I was in Alaska, they said eagles are everywhere. You just got to open your eyes to see. It wasn't in a question that they were a rare bird. I thought they were rare, but they're off the endangered species list now. So they're not rare. They are everywhere. You know, I can say to you, you start right saying to yourself, God is here. God is everywhere. There is nowhere where I can go that God is not there. If I go to the highest point, God is there. If I go to the deepest point, God is there. Can darkness separate me? No, God is there. Everywhere. Can trouble separate me from God? No, he's right in the middle of the trouble. It's said nothing. Romans tells that Paul says, and he should know, right? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's our default position. If we were, you know how you have your uh, phone or your computer, every now and then you've got to push reset. Default position is God is here. God is everywhere. Put your glasses on. Wear your sunnies. God is here. He's right with you right now. Whether you feel him or you don't feel him. It's nothing about whether you feel him, whether you see him, whether you don't see him. The fact of the matter is God is here. He is the Emmanuel God. That's the position that we start with. So when we don't start with that, we are blind. And I just, two stories in the Bible, I just love these stories because I think they're full of dramatic irony. So my first story is, you know, in Luke 24, there's these two guys walking out from Jerusalem after these incredible events of the crucifixion. They've seen their friend, they've seen their one that they call Rabbi, Lord, and Master crucified. They are totally shattered. And they're walking out from Jerusalem, going on the road to Emmaus. And they're going, and a person comes alongside them and starts walking with them. Don't you love the story? Because we know the end of the story, but they didn't know the end of the story. They're walking alongside, and this, and they tell you, this friend says, what are you, why are you so upset? And they go, oh, no, 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 no. And they tell him why they're upset. And they're probably crying as they're telling him. And then, then it says that he began to talk to them and share with them all the way through from Scripture how Jesus Christ, the Messiah, needed to die and to suffer and to be raised again. And he's just putting it all together from, wouldn't you love to have been on that lesson? I'd love to have been on They're walking along. They get to the place and they say, oh, will you come and have something to eat? They still don't know who he is. They're blind. They're totally blind. They've had this amazing thing. They come and they sit down and Jesus does one simple thing. He breaks bread. 
And at that point, their eyes, that said their eyes were open and Jesus disappears on them. I'm like, oh, and they go, whoa. And they go, man, how come we didn't know that? You know, our hearts were burning. We missed that one. And they rest it. I just love the, the irony because I feel like those disciples many times like, do, 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 do. And actually Jesus walking alongside me is probably telling me stuff and doing the stuff. I'm going, mm, 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 mm. And then I'm going, where is God? <laughs> Yeah, God doesn't even care what's going on. Where is he? And it's like, right there. I'm like, I'm, I'm one of those amazed disciples, you know? And like, it's not until later I go, oh, he was there. I missed it. I missed it. I didn't have my eyes on. I didn't, they weren't open. The other wonderful story is at the beginning of Luke, Luke chapter 2, when uh, Mary and Joseph bring the baby Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. All right, so there's probably lots of other babies coming in, and so everybody else is rushing past. They're busy. They are preoccupied. And they don't see that this is the Son of God. The Messiah who has been prophesied for hundreds of years has come to his temple. Sure, he's disguised as a baby. Well, God does amazing and mysterious things. And here he is, and nobody sees it except an old man who is blind. Simeon. Simeon is there because he knows and his inner sight can see what nobody else can see. This is the Son of God, and he prophesies over him. Then there's an older woman there, Anna, who has been there for years and years and years, decades. And also she's, she's probably like everybody, oh, that's just Anna, that's Anna. When she comes, she sees that baby, she knows. She knows why, because her inner eyes have been opened. She recognizes the Son of God. She, and because her eyes are open and she recognizes it, says that she went and told everybody. She went and told everybody, I, I was blind, but now I see. So I think to myself, how can these guys, are there some clues here of how I can learn to recognize him? So um, part of our problem, let's just go to slide three here, because I'm all over the place. So guys, I will just let you know which slide I'm at too. Okay, so slide three. Um, this is a quote of Elizabeth Browning. Is crammed with heaven and every common bush of fire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. So which group are you in? <laughs> Do you recognize when God turns up? Any time during the day? Or are you just looking at the blackberries? We're all, I think at times, taking off our shoes because we're on holy ground. And other times we're just eating the blackberries and we can't see. So which group are you? There were people there in the temple that day that were just eating the blackberries. Why we can't see is we're distracted. Sometimes we don't have the right glasses on. We are preoccupied. We are so fixed on what we're doing. And, um, and we can't see what God is doing. So how can we train our eyes? I had a friend, she had a very prophetic friend. Her and I were doing kids ministry. And this is quite some years ago in a different church. And she would like, you know, every now and then she'd say, oh, I think God wants to say something. And I'd look at her and go, how do you know God wants to say something? How could you do, how can you do that? I read in the Bible and about that God gives us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And one of those is a prophecy. And I've been praying for the gifts. And, you know, I tried, I read my Bible. I spoke in tongues. I did all this stuff. But you know what? I could not sense the presence of God at all. And I began to say, God, how do I sense, like my friend can sense when you turn up. And out of that prayer, God took me on a journey, 
and he took me to the first exercise that I want to share with you. So this is exercise one. What slide are we up to? Training our eyes to see we are up to. Ah, we're up to slide six. Try that one. Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. If you're going on a God hunt, even if you're going on a bear hunt, or an eagle hunt, or a bird hunt, it doesn't matter which hunt, one of the key things that you would discover that you need to learn to do and train yourself is to stand still. Be quiet. Shut up. Hold your post. I was just in the bush the other day and then some uh, tourists and visitors came by and they said, we can't see the birds. And then they left and I stood still and I thought, they're here. I can hear them. I know they're here. So I stood still. And in, very, in about a minute, two minutes, a fantail came and did the fantail thing. And I thought, they're there. But you see, we're so busy and we're so noisy that we cannot hear and we cannot see. So the very first discipline that God began to teach me and to train me in was be still. Stop. Practice stillness. Practice silence. Now, I've been raised in a Pentecostal tradition that's very un-Pentecostal, can I just say. So it took me quite a while to come into this discipline, into this practice, and to train myself to be still. Psalm 131 says, Surely I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Surely I have stilled and quieted my soul. In silence I wait for the Lord. See, what happens when we still our soul, when we go silent, the internal noise that is in us is like clamoring. Have you ever tried to sit still or be quiet, have nothing else going, no music going, don't have the worship music going, turn the radio off, do whatever, and sit in silence? It's probably one of the hardest things for us and our generation, our time in history to do, because we are not trained to be silent. We're not trained to enjoy silence. Noise is our constant companion. And it's not just the noise external, it's the internal noise. It's the noise of the driven voices inside of us going, you must do this, you've got to do that, da da da, don't forget that, blah 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 blah. It's a driven noise. Do 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 do. Or it's the condemning noise. Oh, you're so You know, like you know the condemning voices. You know the accusing voices. You know the driving voices. These are your voices. Don't go blaming anybody else. This is the internal noise within us. And what God says, be still. Calm them down. So, you know, I actually went to a pastor once and I said, what does wait mean? Because, you know, there's wait on the Lord. And he said, wait's wait. <laughs> that was not helpful, but what I did learn, what I did learn was sit down, find your place, and sit and be still. So that's when my Coffee with Jesus habit started. Because I gave myself the time that I drank a cup of coffee to be still. Not, not with anybody else, but with Jesus. So I would sit and say, Jesus, let's have coffee together. And I would just hold it. And I'd be still. And I would wait. And over time I began to train my inner self to calm down and to be still. 
And over time, I began to train my inner eye and my inner ear to learn to listen. See, even science says there's a sound in the universe. Even science has proved that there's a sound in outer space. There's a sound of heaven. There's a sound of God. But if we don't be still, we're not going to come into tune with the heartbeat of God. That's why we learn to be quiet and to wean ourselves. Now let me just say, don't forget, we come from a position that God is here. God is here. God is here with me. He's the Emmanuel God. Secondly, the other position we come from is that we are loved. We sit and be still because we are in the love of Christ. We are surrounded by his love and his care, and we can be totally secure in that. And why I say that is because when the internal noise starts and the condemning voices starts, you know what you say to them? I am loved. Be still. I am the loved. I am the chosen. I am the beloved of God. Be still. Be still, soul. Why are you disquieted within me? Be still, soul. And I self-talk my soul to be still. It's not always easy, but I tell you the benefits are amazing. Because over time as I started to do that, and I would just start with a cup of coffee time, I started and I, there has been times in my life that I have done it for a protracted period of time, for an hour, for times that I have sat in my quiet time being still before God and learning to train and choose my ears to hear the sound of heaven, to hear God. It's not, I, I don't have music in my head, but let me just give you an illustration. If I had Dan back up here with his guitar and I said to him, just take one of your strings out of tune, and he would be tuning that guitar back into tune, he has the sound, he knows the sound that it should be and he'd keep tweaking it and tweaking it until it came into tune. That's what God does in the silence. He tweaks our heart, he tweaks us, he's kept tweaking us. Internally, he is tweaking us so that we come into tune with his heart. You know what happens when we come into tune with his heart? We become into tune with the heart he has for humanity. Suddenly, we now become aware of people. I was with some friends of mine, and we've been practicing getting to know and become aware of who God is in a, in a greater way. And one of my friends said, you know what? She said, I'm, I'm, I'm just going down the road. I'm in my job, and I'm seeing people, and I start to weep for them. And she said, I start to feel their heartache for them. What's, hap what's that happening? I said, you're feeling the heart of God for them. She said, what do I do with it? I said, just take it back to God. Now you are standing in the gap for them. You don't have to do anything more than that. You're just bringing that person to God. You see, in the stillness and in the silence, we begin to feel the heart of God. It's not, it kind of sounds mystical, but it's not, if, if you kind of get my feeling with that. It's, I just can't describe it. It's just that as we become silent, we become tuned to God. We begin to hear him. We begin to see him. We begin to notice him. I find that if I start my day in silence, and then that coming in, and I just say, God, you are here. That's my prayer. Every time I sit there, Lord, you are here. You are here. I now become aware of him being here more often. And because over time, as I have trained myself and disciplined myself, I can walk into a very crowded space, and for a while there, I can just stand there and say, God, you are here. You are here. 
I've done it in, on, on the plane. I've done it in coffee shops. I've done it around the world. I go into places. And when, especially when I'm in, in the turmoil, I'll just say, Lord, you are here. And I settle my spirit. And I come back into the heartbeat of God. Come back into tune with him. I began, my ears begin to hear his word. When I come to the word of God, now that I have centered myself, I'm present with him. It says, he opens my eyes to scripture. He opens my eyes to what he has to reveal about himself. And so if I can just say to you, the very first thing you want to do is be still. Learn to be still and wait patiently before the Lord. There's a quote there on um, slide seven. Henry Nguyen is an incredible um, writer on Christian spirituality, and this is what he talks about. Every time you listen with great attentiveness to the voice that calls you the beloved, you will discover within yourself a desire to hear that voice longer and more deeply. We talk about having a hunger for God. Can I just say that as I practice that discipline, it generates my hunger? Because there's something about sitting in the love of God that just, just generates it. So... Just two really practical things. I've just shared with you. How do I do it? I do the coffee cup thing. That's one practice. It, sometimes it doesn't have to be long. You know, you, you work into it. Some of you are going to go, yeah, this is what I need. Other of you are going, no way. Jose, you know, be still. You have got to be joking. Can I just say to you, for some people, the practice of walking is what stills their soul. So sometimes it's not a passive thing. It can actually be an active thing. I know people that like, just sit and they knit before the Lord. Because as they're knitting, their hands are busy. And what it just means, it settles them. And now their mind is free to concentrate on God. So I'm not saying that sitting still is for everybody. It's a practice that I have found incredibly helpful. Secondly, is one thing, and, and I've been practicing it a lot lately because it is a way to deal with anxiety. We live in an anxious age. And to settle our soul, we said to wait on the Lord and he will renew our strength like the eagle. So another practice, it's a spiritual practice that I do, it's called palms down, palms up. Some of you may know this one. So when I pray palms down, I'm putting down the things that I have, that have risen up, the anxious voices, the list, the to-do list, the things that I'm stressing about and stewing about, and I put, so Jesus, I just put them down right now, right here on your altar. I'm, I'm putting down these things. And now I'm turning my hands up and, t- and I receive your grace for them. And so, I, you know, actually, if anybody's been watching me in the last week, I, it's a particular situation that I've got, I've been walking around, I'm going, Damn. <laughs> I know, I know, okay, so, all right. It might work for you, it's, it's, been, it's been working for me, let me assure you. But, it, but it's, there's been times that it's like, you know, physical action is really helpful. Soul, be still. I'm putting it down. Lord, I receive your grace right now for that thing. Okay, so be still. Be quiet. Breath prayer. Jesus, you're here. That's a breath prayer. Jesus, you're here. Okay, you can, you can make your own breath prayer, and you can start to tune your soul to hear God. The second exercise, all right, so we're slide eight now, is pay attention. Pretty simple, eh? So first one, shut up, be still, listen. Second one, pay attention. Focus, attentiveness. Uh, these days they call it mindfulness. 
I googled mindfulness. It's a Buddhist practice. So let me just tell you, Godfulness. Remember the glasses? We start from a position that God is here. We are full of God. And the world is full of God. Pay attention to God's world. Pay attention to what God is saying. Look at it. Focus on it. Watch it. See it. The Emmaus disciples paid attention. Hey, were not our hearts burning? I bet they never forgot the next time they felt a burning heart that Jesus was present with them. They paid attention. Simeon paid attention to what the Holy Spirit was whispering into him. Today, you will see the Savior. Today, he was in the temple at the right time, at the right place. Why? Because he paid attention to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to be there. Pay attention to what God starts to quicken to you. Way back there used to be a um, comedian, Māori comedian, and from Rawadi. And he used to do the political commentary, and he used to say, so the post-munitions for the week, huh? And I used to crack up and think, we're all really good at doing post-munitions. No good at doing pre-munitions, but post-munitions, when we can see back what's happened, we can tell what's happened. We need to use that same practice when we... When we look at our day, review your day. Where was God today? Start to learn, pay attention. So uh, go to the slide, I'm gonna go slide 10. Can we just flick to that one? This is a prayer, what's called the prayer of examine. It's another spiritual practice. But um, this particular one, I, I, this is new for me, all right? So I'm not practiced on this one. Where did I most feel alive? Reviewing my day. Where did I most feel joy? Where did I most feel connected to my creator? And where did I feel most anxious, frustrated, and angry? I bet you guys could all figure that one out pretty soon. When did I feel most disconnected from myself and from my creator? There's two things that this prayer will do. It's going to help you to look back and spot where God was. Where you felt most joy, where you felt most connected, those are elements of thanksgiving. We know that thanksgiving brings us into the presence of God. Half of that prayer is about bringing you to the presence of God. The other half is allowing the Holy Spirit to what? Fine-tune your heart so that your heart comes into beat with the Almighty God. Why were you frustrated today? Let the Holy Spirit unpack that for you. What do you need to, to tweak? What do you need to change? Where were you angry today? Where did you lose it today? Let the Holy Spirit unpack it. You know, it's life-changing. We talk about, I've got to live a transformed life. This, this practice will help you work with the Holy Spirit to transform your inner man, transform your inner life. Let me just tell you, as you transform, you're going to have a transformed outer life. And I say that as you get closer and closer to listening and practicing and responding, let's just go, there's a slide, 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 must be slide 12. If we see what God is doing, got our glasses on, and then we respond, it's called obedience, by the way, we will have God moments. Absolutely. We will walk on holy ground. Absolutely. We will have encounters. We will bring the love of Jesus Christ to people every day. We will have miracles every day because as we learn to walk, to see and respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit as we learn to discipline ourselves to listen, we're going to have those God moments. We're going to see him like we have never seen him before. You're going to find him in places that you've never found him before. You know, the Holy Spirit is an adventurer. 
You know what? He goes on adventures. He goes on God hunts. Do you know why? Because the Holy Spirit's looking for people. He's looking for hurting, broken people to bring to us so that we can share as Anna did. Hey, I found the Messiah. Let me bring you to him. That's the transformative power of learning to be still, learning to listen, learning to respond, learning to tune your heart to the heavenly king. He will bring you to God moments. You can bank on it, seriously. I'm just gonna wrap it up with a really quick story. When I started practicing this, I was actually working with a group of 11 and 12 year olds. It was before I came to this church. And, um, And as I practiced this, and I went months, seriously, let me just say to you, I went months just being still and being quiet and learning. And over those months, and it was months, slowly I began to tune in to what God was doing. So I was working with these 11 and 12 year olds and one day I was working with them and suddenly, there was a suddenly moment, I sensed, I knew God was there. And I responded and I just said to the kids, and we had other younger children in that that time, and I said, you know what, God is here. And one of the kids said, how do you know? And I said, I'll tell you how you know, because I had been learning over those months to, to, to sense, to sense. And I said, you'll know, because suddenly some of you right now, you're, you're gone quiet inside. And then there's these startled looks on the kids. Some of you got your heart is beating really fast. Some of you now are just, some of you are crying. And the next moment, there was just this move of the Holy Spirit that just came and swept across those kids. I hadn't done anything. I just learned to recognize that God was there. And I discovered God. He moved amongst that grouping of children. And I, it was like, I have never seen it before since. But it was like, I knew. And the, and the cool thing, you know, I said to you, I started this journey because I wanted to be able to sense God. I wanted to unlock the gifts of the Holy Spirit in my life. That weekend, God unlocked the gift of, prophetic, of the prophetic word. And I remember just bringing those words to those kids. And I just knew that I had stepped onto holy ground. It started because I shut up. I was still. I learned to wait and wait for God. Can I just tell you, can I encourage you? Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength like the eagle. They will rise up and not grow weary. They will run and not faint. I tell you, this is the year, this is our time for the gift, the season of the Holy Spirit. Come on the journey. We're going on a God hunt this year, and we're going to see God do miracles. Yes, amen. Can I have the music? So just as the musicians come, how do you respond to something like this? Okay, I'm gonna like put blur, I don't know. But um, I'm gonna invite Holy Spirit just to come right now. Uh, I'd like you to stand with me. We're gonna sing that song, just that, just that uh, opening part of Waymaker. Um, he's here. That's the bit, that's the bit, that's awesome. Thank you, John. I knew that you'd get that bit. You were, you were listening, eh? You were just like, you're same heart, right? 